uh, well, we are talking of something very universal, as universal as pain. Like joy, it is also something universal. And specifically, I wish to focus largely from Savitri, keep keeping Savitri in the background, partly so that we don't sleep off, because Savitri has the magic of keeping us awake, even in sleep. One thing before we go on to Savitri, since uh, we have two sessions, one is the problem and one is the solution. Something which took me a long time to understand, I mean understand not intellectually but practically, is when mother says that the problem and the solution lie at the same point. And this is of course a well-known homeopathic principle that whatever be the cause, whatever be the level, physical, emotional, spiritual, the problem and the solution lie at the same spot. And we have to just look right. And we'll see, it's like tossing the thing in another way and we'll see the solution. It applies as much to the physical. So when we speak about pain, uh, particularly in a specialty like mine, there is a tendency to speak about psychological pain. It's relatively easier to understand uh, in the sense relatively easier to deal when we talk about spiritual things and pain. But how do we deal with pain, physical pain from a spiritual perspective? That's what uh, I would like to dwell a little bit upon. Because psychological pain is relatively easy to understand that well we are attached to things, we are living in ignorance, all that is fine. But what about the physical body? How does it feel pain? Why does it feel pain? What has it got to do with, uh, with the evolving spiritual consciousness? So let me start with, you know, there is a wonderful canto in Savitri, wonderful book, the book of fate, where there are two cantos. The first is the word of fate and the second one is the way of fate and the problem of pain. So it is this that I wish to focus upon. And it will be very nice if we can have a lot of questions, so we can have more interaction. So, Shurabindu gives number of sutras, uh, luminous hints about what pain is. And he starts from, this is on page 443, for those who may like to, you know, read it. Because it's a, one of the anomalies of life, one of the paradoxes of life, when we take to uh, anything which can even remotely be called spiritual life, uh, though it's, it's a kind of misnomer because there is only one life. We can see it and live it from the ordinary perspective, we can see it and live it from a spiritual consciousness. This is the difference. There are no two lives. Just as there are no two consciousness, there is only one consciousness which takes many, many forms and aspects. So also there is only one life. We can lead it in a most ordinary pitch and we can leave, lead it on an extraordinary pitch. We can look at it from the usual standpoint, we can look at it from a very different standpoint. We can deal with it from our limited capacities or we can develop, evolve capacities to deal with it more effectively, more powerfully, more swiftly. So this is the difference. So Shurabindo 
starts with this uh, wonderful line which reveals to us why are we not able to experience the joy all the time in this creation it's it hits us when we you know uh, first time when we experience pain i don't know uh, some of us i remember breaking my tooth and the first time seeing um, seeing a death it can be very strange experience you know when as a child we see death because instinctively we are as if born with this intuition that things are good things are fine life is beautiful at least when we look at children this is the instinct that's why they are happy and they are smiling but something comes in like a virus into our file this virus may come from the parents sorry to say that it may come from the teachers it may come from the world around us it's there and slowly what we lose or the price we pay for growing up is a loss of smile the ability to smile the natural joy i remember once taking a class with my nursing students and you know they were very excited that sir we are going tomorrow to make a visit to the slums i said oh is it so what are you going to do there sir we'll see how they live and you know etc etc so i said what are you expecting say it, it must be very painful no i said go and see make your own observations and come back don't presume anything so they came back and then i said look impersonally and tell me what did you find in the children were they happy or not yes sir they were happy doing what they were just playing marbles on the road and they were happy they had one ball that to probably half broken and they were playing with it and they were happy so happiness is a very natural state it's inbuilt in creation so those who believe that this world is a product of desire and there is an Ill, you know it's an illusion it's really our life experience teaches us if we look at the facts of life even as a child there is an innate joy inbuilt in life and it takes time we try a lot to corrupt it but it takes time you know children when they are hurt or injured and they come we have number of them sitting in dispensary and you can come and see it's one of the joy joyous things to look at children when they come with an injury so they'll show you your place and this i got hurt here and there's a bleeding going on of course some would cry if you give them an injection but most of them uh, don't think of sepsis tetanus and all that but parents start introducing this idea through the mind not that they are not well meaning they, they these are certain facts but naturally they have a trust in life and this trust is the result of a deep underlying spiritual intuition that this world has emerged from delight it's it's that trust this intuition that is inbuilt in life but then when we look at the so called real world so called we get a shock that how can there be pain how can there be deception how can there be evil and i said this is one of the biggest challenges to reconcile the two of course many don't care to reconcile and they say that this world is uh, you know built of this very stuff i mean i had a student who told me sir what if god is a monster and he has built this world for suffering well <laughs> that's one way to look at it but at the same time if we take it that this the divine or the originating consciousness is delight then why there is pain why there is evil why there is suffering 
And why don't we experience it naturally? So Shubhendu gives us the first mantra. Thy hearts, thy mind's light hides from thee the eternal's thought. So we don't know why things are happening to us. There is an eternal thought. There is a larger plan, larger picture. And that's one reason why we experience pain. Let me give an example that in old time classrooms, now things are better, hopefully. When somebody made a mistake, spelling mistake, the child was given a punishment. What was the punishment? Correct it 10 times. So it was very annoying because you want to have fun and you know, you have to sit and correct it 10 times. Or another punishment, go out and do 10 times, you you know, do push-ups. Now it's, it's a punishment and you feel very pained about it. Now imagine if the same thing the child wanted, if some way the child was conscious that I want to build my muscles and he was told that you do this 10 times, the child may say, why 10 times? I'll probably do 100 times and feel happy about it. So there is a purpose which is working in creation, but we don't see it because we have our own conceptions about it. And therefore we are not able to see a very simple purpose which stares at our face. Thy heart's hopes hide from thee the eternal's will. So we, in the course of life, we expect, wish, want, hope for certain things and certain circumstances. And when we don't get them or when we don't find them, when then things don't match it, then we experience pain. But if another way to look at it is that, well, this is what I'm meant to have, an acceptance. This is not the last word. Acceptance not the last word. But we start with that, that acceptance that I am where I am meant to be. Okay, let me see what I can do with these circumstances. And if we do it, we can really change the whole thing into something beautiful. We have such stories of people living in prison for years and years and changing it into a whole, um, you know, a beautiful occasion for an inner growth. We have the example of Shurvindo. And of course, uh, I don't know if some of us have read Tales of Prison Life or not. Anyone has read this wonderful book? Yes, it's originally in Bengali, Kara Kahani, and translated in English. So when you read through the book, you have to remind yourself time to time that Shurabindu is describing his experience in the prison. There is so much humor in it. And he describes it with such wit and humor that one wonders that, uh, is it really a prison life that he's describing? And what a prison, you know, imagine a revolutionary with a sword dangling over your head and you are put in incarcerated for God knows how long. Of course, he was released after one year, but no one knew. He could have been sent to endemans or indicted for um, criminal conspiracy. Anything could have happened. But during that phase, Shurabindu experienced something which he later on speaks in one of the aphorisms with his... A remarkable sense of humor. He says that I went to a religious place and I got bored. This should be the aphorism. I went to a religious place and I got bored of holy men. God took me to a prison and turned it into his trysting ground. He, it was a place where he chose to meet me. Why not? When we look at life like that, it's so wonderful. It changes the whole thing. So, this is the second aspect of it, our heart's hopes. And then, earth's joys 
shut from thee the immortal's bliss. This, of course, is uh, very easy to understand. Earth's joys. Uh, when children play with toys and first time mothers tell them, no more, you please leave them aside, go to a school. It's so painful for the child. Look at it from the child's perspective. He cries, he curses, he calls his mother, you are the worst mama in the world. Does the mother deter from her deed? No. She takes, holds the hand and says, yes, I am. I may be the worst mama in the world, but I got to put you in the school. And the child cries and cries. Imagine, you know, suddenly the sinosaur of everybody's eye is thrust in a place where there are 35 stranger faces and three strange kind of human beings who don't understand, who have to just, you know, uh, teach him something without his... Uh, even as much as a will, consent. And this goes on for some time. And much later, the child understands, he enjoys that schooling process, etc., etc. So sometimes when we are too much lost, happy playing with our own little toys, they have to be taken away. They have to be taken away because we have to grow up. We have played enough, you know. A very interesting story uh, in Indian thought about Narada and Krishna. They are going together. And uh, Narada asks Krishna, I have heard so much about your Maya. I have read all the philosophical books, gone for all the lectures, but I don't understand this Maya. So Sri Krishna says, oh, you don't understand Maya? Okay, so will you please tell me? So he says, my methods are very different. I don't speak, but I can teach you by experience what is Maya. Okay, show me. So he is waiting for some method or technique he will give by which he will know what is Maya. So Krishna says, well, before we get on to our job, can you get me some water? So he goes there. Narada, sure, goes running to a well. And as he is, you know, he sees a lady fetching water and he says, can I have some water? Why not? You are such so handsome. While she is giving water, she is saying, you are so handsome. You are almost a prince. Where do you come from? So the man also obviously says that, you know, I think uh, you are also beautiful. And then she says, why don't you come to my home? Just we will share a meal. So there is a meal and then he is heavy and wants to rest. Please take some rest. Oh, holy sage. Maybe Tomorrow you can go back on your errand and he rests. And by then the father comes and says, who else but this man is ideally suited to be your uh, groom. And as the story goes, they get married. Uh, and as the story go goes, not so happily ever after. So they get married, they have children. <laughs> and they have children and you know, many years pass by. And one day, there is a great tragedy and Everyone dies except Narada. And at that night, he is very restless. He is turning and twisting on his bed. And, and he says, God, you are really cruel. What have you done? Why did you do this to me? And he hears a voice that, Narada, I will explain to you later what I have done and why I have done. But right now I am thirsty. I had asked you for some water. Where is my water? So, you see, this is Earth's joys shut from us the immortal bliss. There is something much higher, much greater. 
actually people are often scared when you know we talk about words like renunciation sacrifice mother says these words we should not use especially in our yoga why because it's something joyous it's something you are moving to a better state higher state a greater degree of ananda you recover the lost smile which we had as a child we learn to be happy simply naturally it's one of the most difficult works today someone told me i i was you know sharing that you know okay let's find a goal so usual story he said oh my goal is to be happy i said fair enough try it so try it you will get the path he said whatever be the goal remain faithful to it be sincere and walk so he said why i said see the first time something happens which brings a touch of sorrow you remind yourself my goal is to be happy now compel yourself to be happy if you try it sincerely you'll reach a state where you'll make a back door entry into the spiritual path in another way try to be happy because happiness is your goal so he said yes i see it's difficult so i was reminded of a story of dara he went to mother and asked mother give me some work mother said be happy so wrote on it. so after two days he came back and said mother is very difficult what work you have given me give me something else <laughs> why is it so difficult to be happy children are happy naturally now this is where you know we have to see something has been tweaked inside us something has been twisted inside us and that twist and tweak shobindu will reveal to us in the lines that follow then rose the need of a dark intruding god the world's dread teacher the creator pain dread teacher remember those teachers <laughs> now i i hope and i think there are very good teachers good or bad i don't know but definitely those days teachers means some of the teachers were really dread teachers and it's not that they didn't teach good things they taught good things their method was not a right method and so there is a dread teacher pain in fact it's uh, at one place mother says pleasure is deceptive see how we say that you know when everything is pleasurable and comfortable we say god's grace perhaps we don't know maybe god's grace has not yet started working that's why everything is wonderful comfortable <laughs> so we don't know of course inner happiness yes but god's grace with regard to outer circumstances we want a comfort zones but pain comes and says step out you're not meant just to be in a small little narrow space called the ego you have to become vast you are meant to become vast and so it teaches us pain comes and knocks at our door it is a dread teacher we don't like to see him we close the door and say no i don't want you and it forces us till it pulls us out and exposes us to the vastness of creation there is a very beautiful poem of tagore and he says he whom you want to bear the burden of universal love what do you do with him in one shot you strip him off naked of all man apman all wealth and riches and you leave him alone right on the roads on the shores of nowhere so that he can learn what truly is to become universal it's so true so world's dread teacher it's a teacher 
it comes to teach us something what does it come to teach us of an imperfection this one th- very simple lesson of life which we take so long to understand take for example any event anything you know one wants let's say a successful life or a happy relationship it could be anything or a child you know who is all good 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 adjectives first of all we have our own ideas of good which is erroneous like if a child gets up in the morning and touches the parents feet and says a mantra and you know obeys you is good this is a conception maybe a child who rebels and tells me i am wrong is better but i want my own good but leaving that aside we really look at life very impersonally then we will discover this this simple truth that we are you know being revealed through these lines where ignorance is there suffering too must come so this is the first powerful sutra that our life is built of ignorance and so there is no ready lunch so everybody wants a good child everybody wants a good relationship a successful career but we have to build there is nothing like something which is ready made it has to be built upon this is the evolutionary law of life it's not like i step out of my room take a job and it's wonderful i get married and my relationship my love will be wonderful i have a child and he'll be all good 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 it is to be built and pain comes to show us the imperfect areas where we have not yet worked upon otherwise we may live trapped in an illusion and illusions are comfortable but they are not good obviously they are not real so pain comes to shake us out of our illusions and therefore it points us that there is something which is yet not done so ignorance in a spiritual sense is a limited state a limitation so it comes to show us a limitation one may speak very beautiful things high things spiritual consciousness and you know uh, experience beautiful states but when it comes to the physical body and one has pain what does one do about it so it's the test of fire and that's why the mother says something very interesting she says salvation is physical it's not enough that inwardly i am free and liberated if i am still subject to pain there is an imperfection in the body inability incapacity a limitation because why do we call it imperfection because well the contacts of the world it's unable to deal with it handle it it experiences them as pain we'll go into it more maybe time permitting little later thy grief is a cry of darkness to the light pain was the first born of the inconscience which was thy body's dumb original base already slept there pain's subconscious sheep these are really very profound lines because we think pain as some sensations how can there be pain first born in the inconscience so mother speaks about this story of inconscience that inconscience is created when there is a sense of separation and with that sense of separation i am making a long story short because many of us must have heard it i'm sure number of times 
there is a cry cry for unity cry for light cry for truth cry for bliss cry for sweetness cry for the divine smile cry for ananda so this cry calls down a response of grace now even before human beings come into the play there is pain there is this cry so wherever there is pain there is a cry cry for light cry for peace cry for bliss now in the original story the healing takes place or starts with the response of grace and in the end we shall learn that ultimately all true healing is an act of grace but you know we have to go through the whole drama that's the unfortunate part so it's a cry for light and it's already there in the unconscious so when human or, or rather matter is formed the possibility of pain is already there it's crying there is a cry what is the cry in matter if you look at into the depths of matter there is a constant restlessness though it looks something stable and inert and the restlessness in matter is for life to be born next level there is a restlessness in life for mind to be born there is a restlessness in the mind and as we evolve the mind becomes more and more complex more and more restless it's often described like a monkey sitting on atop a pole and the pole is kept on a boat and the boat is on a sea on a sea which is extremely turbulent so imagine the mind is like that monkey sitting atop a pole and the pole is on a boat and the boat is on a turbulent sea this is the state of the mind what does the monkey ask for stability anchor something which can hold it mind what does the mind look for certitude it may use different words looking for certitude truth on which i can lean where is that certitude to be found so it's restless all the time searching when it finds it it becomes quiet so very often people speak about how to make the mind quiet how to make it still very simple <laughs> or perhaps not so simple find the reality will become quiet but what it means is keep pushing towards that regardless of this and a time will come we will come more and more in touch with it and it will quieten it automatically will quieten because we have found that which we are seeking so this is the other sutra that it's already there pain is already there a shadow in a shadowy tenebrous womb till life shall move it waits to wake and be in matter it waits it's a pain you know metals experience fatigue there is something called a stress within a metal it's known it corrodes it's a cry of life to be born there is a slow disintegration in one call with joy came forth the dreadful power in life's breast it was born hiding its twin but pain came first then only joy could be all mothers know it all through the womb they carry the baby and there are various kinds of pains they experience anticipations anxieties as they come closer and closer 
and then of course the labor pain and then the baby cries then yes there is joy then every time there is a crossing of next stage there is a new pain from 2 years onward there is a new pain that starts then 5 year onwards another kind of pain 10 year onwards another so each time you have to negotiate the next level there is a pain all evolutionary growth we i mean it's it's something which we can observe in our lives adolescence no period of turbulence and pain then adulthood there is something settled then again pain at different stages of our growth what applies normally applies even otherwise in our inner life so pain comes first it's the pang of growth when we grow the pain is gone it is replaced by joy pain plowed the first hard ground of the world rouse by pain a spirit started from the clod by pain life stirred in the subliminal deep interned submerged hidden in matter's trance awoke to itself the dreamer sleeping mind so pain is the plough it prepares the soil prepares the ground there cannot be any greatness ever born without going through pain only thing is in spiritual life we don't use the word pain we use a very interesting word which is also used for pain in sanskrit sometimes and the word is tap tap so for pain we use the word tap it's also said daihik daivik bhautik tapa tap heat and that tap becomes tap in spiritual life there can be no nothing born without that it's a process we have to go through so it plows the ground it prepares the soil so very often again you know there is a new age spirituality like mcdonalds and kfc so it's like 1000 rupees to a course in well uh, let me not name <laughs> all kinds of courses are there 5000 rupees course next level 10000 rupees course you become a teacher do this practice 14 days nirvana well haven't we heard there is nothing like a free lunch <laughs> and if somebody is selling stuff for so cheap obviously it's an imitation jewelry which is worse than having no jewelry at all at least you know that you got to acquire one but when you have an imitation jewelry it gives an illusion that you have something but you have nothing absolutely nothing but you know it's something we like to show it's something bought cheap so there is a plowing of the soil which many persons are not willing to go through they want quick methods quick results tell me a method i want to practice in one month i want to have this experience results and then i'll know that this is the path meant for me people have spent lifetimes years 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 plowing the soil learning how just to live with equanimity forbearance fortitude and then when the soil is ploughed then there is a season soil has to be ploughed then it is watered by divine love and there is a season when the seed of divine consciousness sprouts forth is bound to sprout forth so pain comes to plough the soil 
It's very interesting in one context Shobindo speaks of in synthesis of yoga. He says, well, um, the difference between a yogic life and the ordinary life. The word ordinary is not to be seen in a pejorative sense. Ordinary lives are very extraordinary. But it means simply that life lived without any higher aim. So he says in ordinary life, the cup of life tastes sweet in the beginning. But bitter as it goes down and down. But in spiritual life, it tastes bitter in the beginning, but gets sweeter and sweeter as we go down and down. So this is it. This is the difference. So, you know, this ploughing is so necessary and it's so true at every level. Look at the physical body. People who have really trained themselves as a child, who do physical exercises, have engaged in physical culture, the bodies are so much more flexible, so much more ready to endure. They live longer, they live healthier, they live happier. It's a very simple thing. So what they have done? They have trained their body systematically, methodically. So a time comes when they are able to endure a lot more. They can, you know, not like us that at 40, one knee begins to give way at, you know, sign of senior citizen, not 60 years of age, but having joint pains and a stick. That's not a, that's not a good way to live. I'm sure we can live better, but no one taught us. When we went to the school, all that we knew was books and grades and marks. But we can change the trend. So at every level this applies. Same with ignorance at a physical level. I give you a very small example how ignorance operates at the physical level. Now we have all these um, you know energies or vibrations that come into us which we call bacteria, viruses etc etc and the body reacts to it. The body reacts to it as an enemy not myself and there is a fight and battle and you take the help of antibiotics and the bacteria mutates and then there is a race like arms race there is a race between who is one up man whether the bacteria or the antibiotics so you know now it's a big problem because all the higher antibiotics you know when I had graduated in medicine there were just two antibiotics sulfa and tetracycline and then ampicillin came and ampicillin was reserved for special people VIPs because you know you don't want bacteria to become resistant and it was expensive and most people were fine with sulfas and this everybody was cured the fact that we are all alive means you know most of us did get cured <laughs> we all had our own share of illnesses now we have so many antibiotics and we have now equally so many bacteria who have developed resistance so what is the other way instead of treating these things as other self to simply quieten them. To tell them that you don't have to be agitated. You don't have to create illness. Mother speaks of this in reference to cancer. Tell your tumor cells you don't have to multiply like this. But we treat it as an enemy, even a part of our own body. There is a very interesting book I was reading, Love, Love Miracle and Medicine by Dr. Bernie Siegel. Where he says, you know, there are the psychological way to deal with cancer is one is to... Um, you know, say that your white cells are killing your cancer cells. The other is, and it works to an extent, it works. Uh, along with, of course, whatever medication. It prognosis is much better. The other way is to tell these cells that, look, you are part of me. I love you. But you don't have to do this. 
just have to be quiet and peaceful everything is fine everything is good don't worry we don't have to get upset and then these cells over a period of time become quieter and quieter and quieter and i'm talking of hard medical facts not just a thought but you know we need to have trust in this by pain and joy the bright and tenebrous twins the inanimate world perceived its sentient soul else had the inconscient never suffered change so that's how we become aware many youngsters these days they come to me with depression and all kinds of things but i have often felt that many of them no i won't say all but many of them they are basically having this spiritual angst they are sick and tired of a world which is worth getting sick and tired and they don't want to conform any more to a neat world built by reason symmetrical world everything is in a fixed order standard perfection remember that song i want no education they are revolting and they feel an anguish but they don't know what should replace it so they falter they stumble they experience pain they experience suffering what they are looking for is a spiritual release of becoming aware of their own inmost being so this is the role of pain and then something very very beautiful something which i always feel worth reminding oneself pain is the hammer of the gods to break a dead resistance in the mortal's heart his slow inertia as of living stone living beings feel pain not i mean inanimate matter it the pain is there as a shadow it's a sign of life that there is pain so it comes to break some resistance some comfort zone in which we are locked inside even very physically it draws our attention to some spot where things are not right things are resisting the action of the light of the grace of the peace and what we need is to just open that part to relax it to widen it this earth is full of labor packed with pain for with pain and labor all creation comes this earth is full of the anguish of the gods the spirit is doomed to pain till man is free every level they said even at the most physical level we should not forget the body it's doomed to pain the moment you take a human body or a mortal body it's prone to suffering decay and pain so even if inwardly you are free you will experience that you can detach yourself you can cut themselves cut yourself off and that helps a lot at least the mental component is taken away but still the pain is there the wonderful line men die that man may live and god be born 
in present times we can see it and understand the deeper working pain is the hand of nature sculpturing men to greatness an inspired labor chisels with heavenly cruelty an unwilling mold hand of nature sculpturing men so this what as i said we can remind ourselves every time we experience what whatever is called a stroke of unfortunate circumstances or adverse fate or painful things we must remember that oh i am being sculptured chiseled and it's you know you can we can apply this at many levels say very often it's almost a law of life and somebody who designed it was very very intelligent and brilliant that you will end up living with a person who will be very often quite critical of you i don't know how many you experience this if you are living alone <laughs> i'm i'm sure whether you raise your hands or not i mean it's very interesting it designed like that there is a purpose behind this very super intelligent game now we can look at it as you know i'm hurt i don't like it nobody likes it it's an affront to my ego self how dare you say that i am wrong you you are always right i am always wrong how can that be another way is well sorry you have chosen this role to play but it it's good keep on keep it on it will help me chisel myself it's very interesting you know when you write something i do it with regard to you know if if someone points out something so it's a good thing because it means i look at it now once again with your eyes if there is a truth in it i'll chisel now what's chiseling it's a very painful process and if there is no truth in it no big deal it's just your opinion but please carry on with this job don't leave this job because <laughs> but we want to hear good things we want to you know always have people who flatter us it's a disease from which everyone suffers right from kings to you know priests and even spiritual men have caught this disease they want people who will always praise them and i think in this example of spiritual history of mankind Shurabindu and the mother are unique in many respects, but one aspect is that how Shurabindu would take criticism. It's a whole study in itself. Somebody can do a research on this. In no way I am suggesting that one should criticize one's master. It's dangerous, it's bad, harmful. But when the master is criticized, how master took it? It's amazing. You know, people. i mean mother said he is a gentleman i am not and she went on to use she used a word morons who tried to correct shirvindo's english but how shirvindo would answer with perfect calm and equanimity sir in savitri this word doesn't suit imagine if somebody tells this to us shirvindo would give reasons why this word suits or if not what were the alternatives he had in mind 
and why finally this word has come it's amazing it's an exercise in humility in itself people have asked such questions they asked questions like why don't you intervene and settle our quarrel why have you taken this person side not <laughs> shubhendra used to say uh, uh, we are not here a tribunal of justice <laughs> to sort out quarrels of people so it helps us to widen and the same applies at a physical level it helps us to widen something is knotted up of course we can go deeper why things get knotted up in the body because of a certain flow of energy why certain flow of energy because the flow of energy should be equal there is in our body an inbuilt mechanism to equalize the flow of energy what is called as the samana prana it equalizes the energy flows in five fold manner two up two down and there is a balancer so normally it does balance that's why we can't be all the time uplifted towards spiritual heights ordinarily again at the same time we can't be all the time remain indulgent something is there which tries to restore a balance but when we keep on creating an imbalance at one level then it calls our attention it says i am also existing i am also there you have neglected me you have neglected the heart you have neglected the mind you have neglected the body you have neglected the nerves and that's one sense of integral yoga no part can be neglected each part desires its absolute each part can evolve into its own uh, beauty and truth so but when we neglect a part it draws our attention see most commonly pains start in the feet and the knees by the time we are entering middle age i am not talking of migraine and things like that chronic pains why because the subconscious parts have been totally neglected that's the place where we have accumulated a whole lot of things so we can look at the whole human body as a repository of consciousness it's a of energies it's it's a vessel what kind of energies we have filled it with and these energies are seeking their own release their own expansion their own divinization and when we don't do it and it's a basic law you confine it to a small movement it will rot and rot and rot you make it larger and wider it will automatically find its release heart confine the heart to a small little movement me and myself one suffers emotionally okay my family again but let the heart be large yes we have to take care of certain people who are in our life we have to love them give all that but let it be a larger movement confine the mind to a small movement only this opinion and idea you suffer difficult to live with somebody who has a contrary opinion widen it and life becomes easy confine the body to one set of habits even very good habits i'll get up at 4 o'clock take a bath then only i'll have food and you'll be miserable traveling in a train once with a sanyasi who was coming for some lectures on integral yoga this man was becoming visibly miserable by the time it was 10 o'clock in the morning and what was the problem with him 
He said, I haven't taken my bath and not done my mantra, so I cannot eat. I said, come on, you are feeling hungry, eat. No, 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 this is my habit, my rule of life. I said, then suffer. Yeah, one of the two things. I even gave a suggestion, you go to the bathroom and take some bath. Then a train stopped at a station and please go and quickly, you know, if, if you miss the train, we'll pull a chain. He has to also have bath with a water which is relatively pure. So he doesn't know what kind of tap water is there. Look at this. Physical habits. Rigidity makes us suffer. Something which people are learning. When they learn to have different set of physical circumstances, the body learns to adapt. It learns to change. Adapt to the change. It becomes more plastic. It's well known thing that when people, you know, sometime back, I remember getting down from a bus in Bangalore and I met somebody who had come from one of those countries outside and first person was desperately looking for something. I said, yeah, can I help you? Well, can you help me get a bisleri bottle? That time there was only bisleri. I said, why? No, no, I am feeling thirsty and I am very worried. Worried because you have heard all the ITs, ITs, gastroenteritis, cholera, everybody in India is just dying of a mosquito bite and you start taking chloroquine. (laughs) So, you know, why this has happened? Because you stayed confined. Today, people travel and they know it. It's not as bad as I believe it to be. I can take a clean water from a clean source. And if you go to the Indian villages, you'll be shocked. Mother gives this example. You know, I, I have grown up in a, in, a, you know, in a village where from the well, we used to draw water, open well. Nobody examined it, whether it's potable or not. And bathing in the pond and, you know, sometimes people would take that water. Nobody fell sick, no eczema, nothing. The body becomes so adaptable. It just adapts. Because the physical consciousness becomes wide. But expose it just to comforts of life and then it becomes less capable of fighting with diseases. So this is the basic background about pain. Maybe I have missed some causes but more or less we have covered. If there are any questions, we have 15 minutes. We can take them up. Yes, please. Yes, I am glad. Yes, I did miss it, the theory of karma. <laughs> so, this is a shortcut theory in India to <laughs> pass on the buck. <laughs> Passing the parcel. Your karma is very grotesque. I must tell you, it is it's very painful to hear this theory. It's like, you know, not assuming in its origin it is something else but what it has become let me first talk about that what it has become is definitely absurd what it it should be and it's in its origin we'll come to that but what it has become is that because i've actually experienced it that somebody was knocked by a truck speeding truck and he had a fracture and obviously the man was in much pain and someone was consoling him don't worry it must be your karma from some past life and the truck driver was obviously scot-free. Thanks to his karma. The, the karma of the man who was knocked down. It's his problem. Not the truck driver's problem. He was only fulfilling something, you know, previous life he must have been knocked by. This is the populist understanding of karma. If you have lost money, you, have, you were meant to give it. Extremely mathematical. I don't know whether with interest or without interest. 
But nevertheless, karma. So karma has become a omnibus something where you dump whatever we don't understand about life, dump it into karma. Blame it on karma. But karma is in its origin what it means and how it connects to the events of life. Actually, karma is not about pleasure and pain. Pleasure and pain are responses of the mind to events and circumstances. Karma doesn't bring pain to us. Karma arranges a set of circumstances. Pleasure and pain are the way we can we deal with it. So let's start with that. So what is karma? I have set forth certain energies in the course of my life. Now these energies will hold a course. They will have to reach its culmination. We can't leave an experience halfway through. So they will go through a point, full cycle in which many things will happen through lives and will ultimately till we have learnt and grown through that experience will keep haunting us. So karma is an evolutionary mechanism meant for growing by learning. By learning we become wiser through experience and something what is happening all the time anyways in life. We learn by experience and grow. Then where does pain come in? Well, that's where pain reminds us that there is something imperfect we need to work upon. And that is the point where we need to learn things. And also, it's a response that we give to certain events and circumstances of our life. We can face them in a very different way, completely different way. We can face the same event and circumstances can be seen as a stroke of bad luck or a stroke of good luck. I often tell this story and you know, I love this story. It, it's about a Mughal empress who had a Chinese mirror in which she would stand for hours dressing up. But nevertheless, she was a wise lady. So we should not believe that just because somebody is well dressed up and spends a lot of time before the mirror is spiritually dull. We should not have these ideas in our head. So she was a wise lady. She had, of course, everybody has their own uh, you know, difficulty and challenges. So one day when her uh, servant girl was cleaning the mirror, it fell and broke down. Now this servant girl was in shivers. Now how do I tell it? Probably she will. She was a new girl. She didn't know the empress. Probably they will order my beheading. What's going to happen? But somehow she has to convey. When the message is conveyed, the empress called her. She says, what happened? You tell me. She said, what? There is nothing to tell. <laughs> the Chinese mirror has fallen and broken and hangs her head down. And the empress said, wow, wonderful. That which kept me tied to my ego self has been broken. Shishaye chin shikast. That's what she says. Shishaye chin shikast. It's broken. And so the empress said, Khub shud. Wonderful. Samane khud bini shikast. The object which I used to just flatter myself has gone. So it's always, you know, the populist notion of karma is very silly. I mean, then it raises many questions like Pandavas must be a very bad karma people. To suffer all their life. Draupadi must have been a horrible woman. In which case, 
how the turn around took place and duryodhana must have been a wonderful man in which case how he became such a ambitious suicidal fellow in this life so the populist notion of karma is obviously a mistranslation of a cosmic truth and the cosmic truth about karma is it's about learning by growth and since it is not possible in one lifetime and a, a whole um, section of uh, experience spiritual experience confirms that there is something called an individual soul which survives the end of the body well it carries the imprints of unfilled curves of destiny which we must fill or take on further in the next life and the next life and the next life till finally we have almost more or less completed this curves after which the little spark of soul turns into a psychic being in which case it has completed the schooling all the grades and it's free if you just go through life with the right attitude you arrive at that freedom so it's free it can take to a spiritual life arrive at freedom it can choose to remain on earth it can choose to come back as a master it can embody a being of the higher planes or it can participate in the work of evolutionary transformation it's free but till then it is tied to the school of nature where it's constantly learning and growing through pleasure and pain more through pain than through pleasure which means logically speaking pain is a teacher which troubles us but pushes us up faster and pleasure is a good teacher whom we like but it holds us back to the class when it's a real exam so you know the understanding of grace changes so that's what karma is about its energies which have been released into creation into the world which must complete their course and at the end of the course we have grown it's like course in physics chemistry etc etc so these are courses that's how we have to look at it from one illusion to another we move and each time we progress and we progress further that's why there is a need of illusions illusions are like small classrooms and we should not look at them as faults errors mistakes sin least of all as sin they simply process of growth it gives a wideness equanimity peace inside wisdom that everybody is growing through all these process there is no sin and punishment and uh, you know what is the opposite of sin i don't know what is the opposite of sin good good deeds virtue virtue is vice probably sin doesn't exist so it doesn't have an opposite okay opposite of sin is grace if you want to put it there is supreme which is love because all sin is nothing but to be separated from that love and grace there is no other sin <laughs> so these are human notions and the populist notion of karma and we should disabuse our minds of these notions which served its purpose in the dark ages but have no meaning in the ages of light which are dawning upon us